0: Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. I love it when I hear about someone's dream coming true, and I'm thrilled when I see someone giving back to the community. So as I follow the achievements of a Twin Cities man named Houston White over the last three years, it's made me so proud of him. Houston White is a fashion designer who recently partnered with Target to sell his clothing line in a collaboration called Houston White for Target. That means his distinct and inclusive style is available for people all over the country to purchase. Houston is also the owner of a very popular coffee shop in Minneapolis called the Get Down Coffee Company. He's the owner of a barber shop in Minneapolis called Fresh. And now he's also the owner and founder of a new apartment complex in Minneapolis called Camden Town Flats. Houston White is an entrepreneur to the core, constantly dreaming up new ideas and working on something exciting. So today I want us to listen back to my interview with Houston when he joined me in the studio in early June. And because he's a fashion designer, I wanted to get his take on my outfit that day. I wanted to look cool today because you're A cool guy. So over the weekend, (laughs) I went shopping, I found the Houston White Collection at a Target store in Roseville, and uh, I tried on a a lime green tank tops, white sweatpants, and uh, I bought them, and I'm wearing them today. How do I look? You look fly. You look amazing. I don't hear that very often. Do I look fly? (laughs) You look fly. I look fly. (laughs) So how do you describe the clothes that you design? What are you trying to accomplish?
1: Oh, man. Um, You know, style is a a nonverbal form of communication you know, you put on things that reflect how you feel. Um, My sister used to wear my clothes. I used to wear her clothes. And so this idea of gender inclusivity, right? Like it's a, it's a men's line, but it's meant to be worn by everyone. Think about Aaliyah and Missy and T-Boz and all those artists that used to look fly in what some would consider male presenting clothes. But I think style is 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 for everyone, and that's my brand. It's a it's a clothing line that's really meant uh, for people to explore and then be modular, especially in a post pandemic world. Mm-hmm. You know, style has changed, and what it means to dress quote professionally and for a gala all that has changed. And so, I wanted to be a designer that um, had a brand that really reflected that.
0: Now, when I stepped in the store, I was looking in, in women's and I didn't see anything. So then I asked someone for help. They're like, "Oh, Houston White, it's in the in the men's department." And I was like, "Why?" And they're like, "It's unisex." And then I saw that in the fabrics and the in the the colors, like, "Oh yeah, I, I get it." But how do you come up with the sizing for it?
1: You know, we fit models. Um, we have you know various sizing and, and find a kind of a place in the middle. I mean. And we, extra small through 5X. Yeah, a range of sizes. a range of sizes, okay. so it fits all body types to make sure that no matter, if you know, what, what the size of a body is, it, it fits them well.
0: And when you first started selling clothes, you were you told me you were selling it in the barbershop. What surprised you about that?
1: That 70% of my customers were women. You know, I mean, it's a barbershop. I mean, obviously we had a, a clothing element to it, but the fact that so many women felt comfortable coming in that space and shopping for themselves, for their husbands, for their kids, Uh, that really encouraged me. And all of my fashion shows, I've always had at least three women walk in every single fashion show they've ever done. And it's just been a part of who I am as a designer.
0: Um, As a designer, how do you personally use clothing to express yourself and your identity? Um, And has this always been part of your self-expression?
1: Always. I mean, Mm -hmm. it started with my grandma, my mom, you know, you got young kids, right? And my mom used to be um she used to really focus on how I looked. She was a fashionista, right? And I and I would see how people responded to her at church on Sunday, and that was powerful. With the hats? With the hats, with the, <laughs> you know, with the colors, just with the flex. And I think most of all, most importantly, the the sense of self-confidence. You know, when you look fly, you feel confident. And so for me, It became a tool for me growing up to be different, to be fly, um, to not be trendy, but more classic. And you got a lot of it. I I did. I got a lot of attention by flexing. Mm
0: -hmm. And now you feel like you're doing that for other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's important. You you know, I love going to New York City and people watching Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's just so much audacity you know it's like yeah I'm wearing this and you so left what? the
0: house like that <laughs> yeah. in New York. <laughs> you see that?
1: A lot. I love it though. Hey. I, I think it's cool.
0: Houston, we're going to spend some time talking about your many other business ventures uh this hour including the coffee shop and the barber shop and now the new apartment building in Minneapolis. But I, I do want to know more about how you think about fashion and style. You've talked a lot in the past about your your grandmother uh, a huge inspiration to you uh as a, a a hat maker, but what else did you learn from, what did you learn from her do you think?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I learned, um, ingenuity, right? I learned, um, the concept of dreaming, planning, and executing. You know, there's a, there's the pattern. <laughs> then you gotta go to the fabric store. You gotta be willing to sit there and cut it out, which takes a lot of time and attention. And then you go through the process of making it. Uh, and then you get to enjoy it, so for me, it really like that process that everything is a process, and to enjoy that journey and so i i I have as much fun concepting as I do seeing the fashion show you know mm-hmm. it's and then every single collection is I get to do that all over again, and so that came right out of what I saw my grandma doing. I used to go with her and my mom to the <laughs> to the fabric store like every Wednesday. And, and I, it's, it's fascinating, you know, to see that.
0: I've heard you mention um, having interns. And uh, I want to know about this. Who, who are the interns? Where do they come from? And what do they do with you?
1: I mean, you know, I'm, I always say I'm a, I'm a village kid. And so I try to keep that mentality of the village. And as a village kid, I used to just, you know, um, hound people that I wanted to learn from. I would just show up. And so my interns are those type of young folks. The folks that are in my DM or they call me and they make an impression, they show up, they're humble, they're on time, and then you see something in them, right? You see yourself in them. And I don't have a criteria per se.
0: They don't have to be college students credit. They don't have to be credit. college students. They don't have
1: to be any of that. They just have to be curious and humble and approachable and polite um, and wanting to learn and be creative and, and wanting and being willing to be Danielson, you know, waxing on and waxing off, mm-hmm. uh, can you go through that process? And that's what I'm looking for. Or, you know, that. you
0: have a lot of concern about young people right now.
1: I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I when I remember summer, summer meant outside. You know, summer meant yeah. doing stuff. Summer meant um, being around all kinds of different people. And so, in this age of, you know, technology and a lot of kids spending time behind screens and isolated, I think that 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 that's troubling, right? And so as much as I can get them to be around me and other people, I think that that is really important to see kids outside playing and being creative.
0: Several years ago, you created a line of black excellence clothes, which ended up being sold at JCPenney. Uh, I'm frequently seen wearing my black excellence hoodie. Uh, How do you describe the power of clothing to make statements and spread messages? Uh, We, uh, I think the last time I interviewed you, we were talking about t-shirts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about all the major brands, I still, their number one staple is their simple shirt with their hero mark, whether it's Adidas, Nike, or any other brand. And so the statement, black excellence, that's a hero mark. You know, it's a hero mark for people who, you know, really want to, I mean, and black excellence is personal to each and every of the 60 plus million black people in America. And so for me, that statement is powerful. You know, again, that nonverbal communication. Somebody sees that on your chest; they're gonna. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And or if you're wearing it, you're projecting your personal excellence. So, um,
0: pride yeah, and dignity, and and, 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 and and sending a message like you, like what are you proud of? Like what is your message? Absolutely. Right. So the clothing line in collaboration with Target uh, called Houston White for Target. um, ranges from jumpsuits to blazers to, to sweatpants to tank tops. Uh, Target has said that the uh, clothes are meant to promote self-expression and celebrate the beauty of diversity through style. How did this uh, collaboration come about? How, did you, or how were you able to garner the support of a major co- corporation like that?
1: Oh, man, that is a great question. I, I think uh, um, a lot of conversation. You know, I always say that that bullseye is a bunch of human beings to me. There are a lot of relationships. The logo, well, the the human beings behind the bullseye. Mm-hmm. That's how it came to be. You know, the folks that were interested in me as a person. Relationships. Like what? What did I? Yeah. What? Like what did I have to offer their guests? You know, in terms of uh, of of a of a of a fashion brand that could bring joy, uh, that could bring inclusivity, that could bring newness, and a part of it, you know, how did it, how did it come to be? It came. A lot of dinners, a lot of conversation, <laughs> a lot of curiosity, um, and then uh, probably the scariest pitch yeah. of my entire existence.
0: But clearly, you, you did a good job. <laughs> I <don't> think so. <laughs> right. And and what feedback have you received? Is it selling? Is it you know do?
1: Oh yeah, it's selling. I mean, I think the greatest things is when the thing the comments that I see, you know, from Auntie Tab, you know, wore my jumpsuit uh, at the uh, Image Awards red carpet. Who Tabitha Brown? You know, I mean that that to me means everything. You know, people are just celebrities are wearing your c- stuff at huge are wearing events, it. yeah, right? and just regular kids. There's a a kid that I think he has every piece. He <laughs> lives in Texas. He sends me um, notes constantly. He wants to be a brand ambassador, and I think you know, for me, I I, I think people feel about my brand like I felt about. Ralph mm-hmm. Lauren or different things. When I was a kid, they see themselves, right? They're inspired by it.
0: And for me, this I think something special, like local. You know, I'm mm-hmm. from Virginia, and I go home. I'm like, a Minneapolis designer did this. <laughs> like, what's that about? Us having pride and like it's a Minnesota, Minnesota person did this. Do you think that is uh, something that? Is, is growing in popularity
1: oh, of course i mean i my, my that midwestern sensibility influences <laughs> my fashion style you know and i think that makes it unique you know it's not on either of the coasts. It, i am a minnesota boy who like fishing and also have a, has a little street and a little south of me and so it makes it new and different and we don't always get a ton of national recognition for our fashion design so mm-hmm. it's a big deal
0: I'm talking to Houston White, a Minnesota entrepreneur and fashion designer. Uh, We've been talking about his clothing line, Houston White for Target, which uh, you can find in stores. But we're also going to talk about many other things as well. Right now, we're taking phone calls as well. Uh, What advice do you want from Houston? Have you ever thought about starting your own business? Also, what are your thoughts about clothing? How do you use clothes and personal style to express your identity? You can call us at 651-227-6000. Or call 800-242-2828. Houston, let's take a phone call. In St. Louis Park, Susan is on the phone. Good morning, Susan. And what do you want to share with us?
2: Well, good morning. Good morning, Houston. It's Susan. I, um, my daughter modeled for you a couple times, and I've worked with you in the past. My thing about Houston is that he makes you feel like the single most important person in the room when you are engaged with him. How does he do that? Like,
0: why, what is it Do you think is happening that makes, that makes you feel that way?
2: Well, first of all, he always remembers me, always says hello, <laughs> always acts like he's super glad to see me, even though there's 25 people around him that are trying to get a piece, right? They're all, everyone, like, we stand in a little mob around him wherever he goes, <laughs> at galas or anything. And we're all trying to get a piece of Houston, and he is so gracious. And just takes his time with each person and will talk to everybody. And I'm sure that this is like it is for everywhere he goes. I mean, it's got to be crazy. (laughs) But he focuses right on you. There could be like a whirlwind going on around you. But he focuses, talks to you, gives you your peace, right? And then I don't know how you delicately figure out how to exit that conversation or not, <laughs> but I never am left feeling jilted or anything.
0: Susan, what's in your wardrobe that is from the Houston White Collection? What are you wearing these days? My coveted
2: piece that I waited to get and got was the the men's Navy Blue Blazer with the crest. Okay. That oh. I, I love that piece to the ends of the earth. I would bring it on vacation Cause I can throw it on with white pants and a t-shirt and you know how, when you go to uh, Southern States, they refrigerate their restaurants. So, you know, you've got <laughs> Oh, it's
0: cold. Stuff. Yeah. The air conditioning is just going. Right. Right.
2: And it's good. Every, and it's good with everything. It's great with jeans. It's great with, I love Navy and black, so I'll wear it with a black dress and throw it on. Um, it is one of my most iconic pieces Okay,
0: the Houston Houston white blazer, okay. Men's navy blue blazer with the crest. Susan, how do you feel about wearing uh, a men's uh, blazer? Or, you know, as Houston describes it, it's unisex. It's for everybody. Right,
2: yeah. I will say sometimes I belt it because it is cut for men. Right. So I belt it um, or will leave it open, you know, but um, no, I absolutely adore it. And and could not wait to get it. And when they were out of stock, I bugged him every single time I saw him for it. Wow! Um, Actually, one <laughs> off his back. Uh, <laughs> it's true, isn't it, Houston?
1: It is, and um. I absolutely adore you, Susan. Thank you so much. It's always a delight every time I see you. <laughs> she's
0: it's... got it down.
1: Oh my! Yes, yeah, so she's the best.
0: Is this the blazer? I saw this in the store that has like the fabric of it. It felt sort of like a, a a sweatshirt to me. It was soft.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say sweatshirt. I started that uh, around twenty fourteen. I love blazers, but there was a time. Where, I mean, I love sweatshirts. So basically two of my favorite things got together and had a kid. And that's that blazer. It It is sweatshirt fabric. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to be easily packed. And it's meant to be mod- the most modular piece in your entire wardrobe. Because you can wear it to a gala or you can wear it on a boat chilling with shorts. Right. And that's the idea.
0: And it has the crest, the and H and the, the W yeah, on it. Yeah. Wow. What is it like for you to see people in your clothes?
1: Oh, uh, it's an honor. It's cool. Like I, I, I think I hope they feel about it the way I feel about it. You know, I hope they see themselves as, as I see myself when I wear it. Um, it, it, it's still surreal. You know, I mean, I, I, um, I think about my grandma. You know, <laughs> I do, I do. I, I wonder what she would say and how she would feel about it. And so, it's, it's an honor.
0: Let's talk about another one of your uh, current projects. Uh. You're the force behind a new apartment building in North Minneapolis called Camden Town Flats. Uh, People can uh, now or soon rent apartments. Well, they can rent them now, but move in in July, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it? Where is it exactly? What's the idea behind this building uh, that you're the developer for this project, the the owner of the building? What is Camden Town Flats for folks who've never heard of this?
1: Camden Town Flats is, uh, is an apartment building that really reflects culture uh really celebrates and leans into to my lived experience and you know I built houses since I was a kid growing up so I, I, I construction I, work? Construction work, yeah, mm-hmm. I grew up in that. And, you know, um eighty plus percent of young black professionals who on their exit interview say the reason they left this state or leave is because of lack of connection. You know? And this building really I've been talking about this for many, many years, saying that we need to build more spaces and places that reflect um, not only the lived experience, but the desires of these folks. And so it's really a small building that's aimed at proving that out. And we nicknamed a different world. You know, you remember the The
0: old sitcom, a different world, right?
1: That was a tribe. So imagine if you're a young college kid, you came here from Atlanta, and you end up somewhere where you're the only Right. right I had a
0: similar experience. I moved here at 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was single. I didn't know anybody here and moved into an apartment building in downtown Minneapolis.
1: And depends on what, what corporation you work right. for, you're going to be isolated close to I those was very
0: spaces. lonely for a long time. Yeah.
1: And so this building is literally, um, I mean, we need a 30 unit, a 50 unit, a 100 unit, unit that really is about bringing people with similar desires and lived experiences together. And that really emotes and celebrates culture.
0: So how do you do that in the design of the building? How do you create what is it? Common spaces or how do you create that vibe? For the that vibe.
1: Community? The vibe is. I mean, the 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 color palette came from spices from West Africa. I mean, we use I use cumin, paprika, all these different things, and that's the color palette. So when you see the building, it looks different outside you know. and inside. 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 And so the the photos that are on the wall, there's like copper walls with like pit- beautiful pictures of young black people. I mean, when you come in, you feel it. You can just tell that this building is truly um, a reflection of culture. And I mean, in this high end finishes. Right. And there's a gallery space on the on the first floor that has tons of pictures that, you know, are really going to show. The history and the process of where we have been and where we want to go.
0: And when can people move in, and and where are you in terms of the vacancies and everything? Uh,
1: There are four units out of the nine remaining. Uh, The building will officially open on uh, July first. Okay. And so, folks, there's a Zillow ad right now, forty-four hundred five Humboldt Avenue North, and so folks can sign up. And really, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's a really beautiful thing to see a lot of these young professionals leaning in saying that I want to live in a place like this. I mean, you could live anywhere, but really, I want to be around people who are similar to me and who understand me.
0: And the name Camden Town Flats. uh, Camden Town is a name that you've given to the North Minneapolis neighborhood where this building is. What's what's the story behind um, that name?
1: Well, you know, Camden Town is a place. It's a real place, right, in London. Um, and a friend of mine, I was going to, uh, you think of Camden district. And he says, no, you need to look at Camden town, London. And it's vibrant. You know, Amy Winehouse lived there, Charles Dickinson, it's known for street markets and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, what if we did a little remix and brought it to Minnesota and the same idea is what we want to create a vibrant area where artists want to go, where the up and coming fashion designers, you, you know, emerge from such as myself where the young chefs that look to win James Beard Awards want to go, and where people want to bring their kids, right, and really expose them to the best of uh, Black-led culture that's really inclusive of everyone. And so that was the idea, to build a very vibrant, Black-led, middle-class neighborhood right in the heart of North Minneapolis.
0: So where? how do you go from, okay, I'm a barber, I'm a fashion designer, I own a coffee shop, now, let's create some residential housing. Uh, so explain that thought of, like, like opportunities are limitless. Like, a lot of people will be like, what is he doing? Like, that's, you know, you're not pursuing one lane. You're in a lot of different lanes and excelling in all of them.
1: Well, I'm, I'm a creative, you know. I, I, I'm a creative at my heart, and everything that I do has been a part of my lived experience. In the summers I grew up building houses, I learned fashion from my grandmother, Coffee is community. I started cutting hair in the basement when I was 12. I had my first barbershop when I was 19. And in those spaces and places made me the man that I am today. And so I'm basically just doing the adult version that I've done ever since I was a child. And there, at the heart of it, at the root of it, it was really all creative, creativity, design, and filtering it with a cultural lens. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just indignant about bringing my culture and trying to fill the gaps that I see in all those various spaces.
0: And then, again, how do you get the support, the partners to back you? Uh, you know, a lot of people have dreams and, and want to start their own businesses, but, uh, you know, it requires some money up front to get mm-hmm. it going. So what advice do you have for people who want to do the same thing, right? How, what, are, what, what are the first and or the most important steps to doing that?
1: Well, I think you got to have a succinct vision, right? You have to have a mm-hmm. mastermind group as well.
0: What's Fe- a mastermind group?
1: Every every entrepreneur or person needs a group of people to hold them accountable, to challenge them, to push them, to to rub their ideas. You know, my blazer is what it is because of people like Ron Richard, the banker, who he validated it. I mean, he's a young, he's a black banker from from Minneapolis, and he wears wore it everywhere since 2015. So that was for me, like, okay. My people love this. And so now it's just about getting that, uh, amplification. And so that, you know, mastermind, you need to have that, you know, as you're developing your ideas to, to, to make sure your tribe and, and you get that direct feedback loop. And then, you know, to be, not to be transactional, build relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, people do business with people that they know and trust, that they trust and that they like. Right. That takes time. If you need a bank loan, you don't go ask for a bank loan. You know, when you need it, you build a relationship with a banker a year before you're ever thinking about asking for money.
0: And doing your homework and creating a solid business plan and educating yourself. Yeah.
1: But if you got a relationship with a banker in that year of golf and dinner and all that, they're going to help you prepare for all the things that you need. Right. They're the expert. And so I think that the way I always look at getting support and building support is building a relationship and going on a journey with whomever it is that you're going to be partnering with.
0: Uh, our listener uh, who called in, uh, Susan, I believe, mm-hmm. said that uh, you have the ability to make people feel like uh, you're, that they're the only person in the room. So what advice do you have about communication skills?
1: Uh, you know, I, I want to make a T-shirt that says social intelligence should be a required course in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think having high social intelligence, you know, that, that, that self-governor and that ability to ask other people or seem interested in other people not seem to le- legitimately be interested. You know, that is a, a part of, of, of doing business is being likable, being approachable um, and being, and having high vibration, you know, low vibration people I run from. I mean, cause you bring every, you know, like you got to think about that and you got to check that.
0: What's a low vibration energy. What does that look like? Is uh, it like, like, like I'm big on eye contact. I need eye contact with you.
1: I, you know, it it it's like it's energy, right? It, it's everything from yeah, eye contact, but the way the eye is looking at you, it's the questioning, not a question, right? It's a, mm. it's a, it's a straight face instead of a smile. It's a, it's an energy thing, you know. And I think everybody has to check their energy, and and that's personal. But if you really want to go far, you know, the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, it's all about being likable, approachable. Um, if you really want to go far in business.
0: All right, let's take another phone call. And this is coming from Winger, Minnesota. This is Lois on the phone. Good morning, Lois.
3: Um, I want to talk about the backpack I bought in 1977 to go to Europe for three weeks alone. And you can't find one like it today. And I would love to start a business to produce these so that everybody can have them. It rides like on your rear end, so there's no weight on your back. It's three compartments, and it's fabulous, and you can't find anything like it.
0: And so are you surprised that that no one else has, has made something similar to it? or, it, or it, it,
3: It's so crazy because it, <laughs> I bought it for $38. The company doesn't exist anymore. I modified it by, like, cutting off the straps that come around your waist, anything that was heavy, you know, I got rid of. But they sell backpacks with compartments on the sides, you can't get into a train door with compartments on the side of your backpack. I mean, you'll try to, and you'll fly backwards. So it's just it's just such a perfect, it, it's, you can adjust it so that it would fit anybody. It fits in overhead compartments on airplanes. And I've had mine uh, sewn up a couple times by uh, shoe repair people. It,
0: oh, wow. You love this backpack.
3: Oh, my God. I can't, It's all I ever carry. Right. and i'm seventy one years old and I still travel well, I did until the plague hit, but you know so so those
0: your story this this sort of a, is an example of when you find something you love, you stick with it, but there's just sometimes there's just a brand that you love
3: well you can't there, you can't find anything like it, ma'am, you know it's, mm-hmm. The, the top compartments, underwear, pajamas, the middle is tops, <laughs> the bottom shoes and pants, and you leave, you go. You know,
0: so this you sounds know. like an opportunity. Do you also see an opportunity, Lois? If somebody else, a different maker, made this backpack, would you buy it if it had all the qualities?
3: If it was exactly the same, I certainly would. And like I say, I've been actually looking, just because mm-hmm. this one has been on so many trips all over the world. Uh, But by golly, it still hangs in there,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, but I just wish everybody could own one, Okay. you know, because it would be reasonable to make, it would be reasonable to sell, and the way it sits on your rear end, (laughs) it comes up (laughs) a little above your shoulders, and then padded straps and and then you just okay. yank it off and throw it on your car seat when oh. you get home and
0: off you I'm in love with it too, Lois. Okay. So here's to, what do you hear there? I hear an opportunity, I oh, guess. Yeah, I
1: hear an opportunity. <laughs> I, I would I would put together a pitch deck and 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 talk to some bag manufacturers. I think that'd be a smart idea. I mean and show it like in in, in action, right? Show the opportunity versus you how know, you use it. Sh- yeah, how mm-hmm. you use it, how it how show a picture of it going inside that That train car, right, where a typical backpack would hit where this one doesn't.
0: And so do you see, uh, even for yourself, some new opportunities, some things that like, oh, this is kind of sitting in the back. When I get time, I'm going to get to this next. Are oh, there yeah. some I mean, white I, opportunities? I, you know,
1: I got a lot of stuff in the hopper. You know, I just try to prioritize, like, what makes sense right now. But uh, <laughs> <One thing laughs> there at are the tons time. of them.
0: So let's, uh, let's talk about the coffee shop. I, I keep here. I have not been to the Get Down Coffee Company. Shame on you. I know. Shame on me. I was trying to get that this weekend. <laughs> I, I'm a, a St. Paul person. So. <laughs> I do try to get to Minneapolis. What I can, but uh, I hear a lot of folks talking about the Get Down Coffee Company, and when people have meetings, they make a point like on social media, like they'll tag it. Like, I, I didn't just go to a coffee shop, I went <laughs> to the Get Down Coffee Shop. Uh, the space uh, is also a barbershop, has the barbershop in it, and the clothing store all together. Mm-hmm. Describe the, what's happened in the coffee shop. What's the space look like? Who is meeting it, and what is going on with the coffee?
1: You know, the Get Down is about feels. I mean, I'm I, all of my business are about how you make. I, how, how do I want to make people feel? And so first thing is there's music outside as you're walking up. Right. It sets the tone. You walk in, there's a screen that um, greets you and says uh, vibrant futures, black futurism. There are photos from Joe Conzo, who was a uh, photographer taking pictures in the early 80s as hip-hop was emerging. Uh, there's a coffee hot sauce. There's a speaker wall. There's a record wall. Um, and you know, there's a vibe and an energy and you walk in and you order things like, uh, brown sugar, banana latte. Cause you know, my grandmother mm. used to make banana pudding. There's a sweet potato latte because the yam that came from West Africa and sweet potato pie. And so there's a whole lot of culture wrapped into a specialty coffee, um, enterprise that, you know, for us, the, I co-founded it with Dan Anderson Uh, the founder of of Dogwood Coffee. And it was our response to all the trauma and separation that was happening in our city. Um, And so coffee is community. Mm -hmm. And so you walk in, you see people from every walk of life, um, white, black, all cultures in between, listening to urban music from disco uh, to to current top 40 hits. Um, And it's a beautiful scene of humanity just sitting down doing what people do every day, drink coffee.
0: What was the first coffee flavor you described? Banana? Oh, and brown sugar, banana. Brown sugar, banana. <laughs> and then it's a coffee enterprise, so I can also buy the coffee grounds or the coffee beans in stores, yeah, right? they Yeah,
1: you can purchase them at Target on shelf. Uh, we're in about 120 Targets, and uh, as well as uh, getdowncoffeeonline.com. And so, uh, or just come in the cafe. Right,
0: and then again... It's some people coming. I think of coffee shops, some folks go alone and they work. Some people choose to meet there and have meetings. So are you seeing business meetings happening? Are you seeing or or maybe you don't even know like what people are talking about?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a third space. You know, it's a it's a I think it it oozes inspiration. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people come Mm -hmm. uh, to plug in. You know, I see everybody in there. Right. From political figures to business figures to young kids that are um on their lunch break mm. you know it's nice.
0: a, yeah you've used the phrase cultural collision uh, i've seen in other interviews what does that mean to you
1: oh that means that means we need a more intercultural world i believe now more than ever uh we need people to to build empathy across difference because they spend time together
0: we need to sit next to each we
1: other we need to sit next to we need to eat together and I don't mean like a DEI situation. I mean like a literal human connection where you grow because someone from a whole different background um, is in your life and you're sharing truths, you're sharing struggles, and it's all really centered in humanity. And I, I think it's just it's, – it's my way of living life, you know. I, uh, cultural collision is – being from Mississippi, that's a different culture mm-hmm. than Minnesota, um, but
0: you moved here as a child, I right? I moved
1: here as a child and I always went back to the South. And my best friend is from Rochester, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he went to Harvard and we grew up together. And that we are a cultural collision. So my whole life has really been about um, learning from difference um, to just become a better human being.
0: And that has fed into your creativity.
1: Oh, all the way, all the way. America is a tapestry. And so I I, I, I flow with that. And I embrace that and try to make new things with that.
0: Uh, let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk with fashion designer and business owner Houston White uh, in St. Paul. Mike is on the phone. Hi, Mike. What did you want to uh, share with us?
4: Yeah,
5: I, I, I just, I just want to ask him uh, because I am a business owner. Mm-hmm. I own a West African grocery store right now,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and I want to expand in the next. Uh, three, four months, I've already have a new location on Snelling Avenue. So Mm -hmm. I want to add West African restaurants. So what is your advice for me?
0: Mike, what's the name of your grocery store? It's Udo's African Food Store. In St. Paul on Snelling?
5: Uh, No, right now I'm on University Avenue.
0: Okay. On University Avenue. And so you said you would like to expand and have a restaurant?
5: Yeah, to include a restaurant.
0: Uh Ah, Okay. Any
5: advice? I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Any advice for Mike?
1: I guess a question. You said it's a grocery store right now and you're going to add a restaurant component? Yes. Okay. Um, I guess one thing I would suggest, retail restaurants are tough. Is there there a product that you could take to market that could be featured in your restaurant? You know, something that would take the pressure off the, the retail business? Yes, that that would be my advice. I, I think restaurants are great, but they should be more so the the experience of the business. And I would also simultaneously be working to create some product that you could get to scale. Um, that would make it so your restaurant wouldn't be so overburdened.
0: Like a a spice or a sauce or spice
1: or, something? or rice. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the business mm-hmm. is, but I would create. I mean, our our coffee company works because. We are mainly a wholesale, and the back-end part of the business takes the pressure off the front-facing retail.
0: And, Mike, have you found it, it hard to find the resources to support the business and your plans? Um, yeah. Yes.
1: And, and also uh, grab a good banker that you like and take them golfing. <laughs>
0: relationship. Build a relationship. <laughs>
1: Spend some time together and, and have them poke holes in your business plan because they'll help you. They'll help you uh, make it bankable.
0: And here in Minnesota, we do have a lot of organizations that work with small business owners and entrepreneurs to create relationships to help with business plans. And have you found those organizations to be helpful? Not just to yourself, but to other people.
1: Oh, very, very helpful. I mean, those are those are some of that mastermind group that I am saying, right? Right. I like, am thinking of Meetup, yeah. is great, and NDC. There is tons of Neon. Is um, mm-hmm. I, I've worked with them. They're they're wonderful, and you know, like the thing is, it's a process. It takes time, you know, and to, to 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 you don't your 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 plan does not need to be fully baked. You need a very good idea, but you go into these organizations, and they're going to help you fully bake it. Like, That's what, what I'm are saying. the next steps? What are the next steps, right? So many folks sit on the sidelines waiting to jump in because they're trying to figure out all the things that they need experts to help figure out. Right. It's like you need the idea, you need the product, and you need to get the experts to help you refine the, and design the plan to make that product successful at market.
0: So build a team and rely on their expertise to get to the next step. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Let's take another phone call. This one uh, in South Dakota, uh, Sioux Falls. Kyle is on the phone. Good morning, Kyle. What did you want to say or ask?
4: Hey there. um, I just wanted to say hi to Houston. I did meet him personally two times. I traveled five states as a garbage man. If he ever remembers the truck that would pull up every morning and wait for him to open, because he's it. No one's talking about his coffee. It's awesome. I, I... I talked to I think he's got a bunch of cassette players or old boomboxes in the store. I tried to buy one from him, but he wouldn't let it go. <laughs> oh my. Do you remember me?
1: I do remember <laughs> you, man. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm in Sioux Falls, so sorry I haven't stopped there, but I just wanted to talk about his coffee really quick and how great that store is and that even the location. There is There's like Black Holes in Minneapolis. There's one on the east side between Target and 35 and Lake and Sixty-two. That you should look at putting one right in the middle there, but you have a, a great spot with nobody around, and it's good to see somewhere I can wait in the morning to open. <laughs> and oh, get some.
1: Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate that. I mean, that's yep. exactly why we built it. You know, thank yep, you.
4: Thank you. If you ever want to sell one of those cassette players, you <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How's being persistent and
0: consistent there? uh What about the barbershop? You said you. Uh, when and how did you learn how to cut hair?
1: Oh, I was about 12 years old when I started. Um, and, you know, back in the day before social media, social uh, currency was the way you looked. And more importantly, the way your hair was done or cut. Mm-hmm. You think Bobby Brown, the Gumby, mm-hmm. <laughs> your flat tops, you <laughs> know, yeah. Big Daddy Can't, all that. Right. And so uh, for me, it was a passageway to, to, um, to make it money. And I started cutting really young. And I was doing that all the way through high school.
0: So the the order of things was the barbershop the first business that you opened or was what what came first barbershop yeah so what's happened to barbershop I know a lot of conversations
1: <laughs> well it's not open and operating right now it's mm-hmm. we've evolved it it's called fresh uh, I've developed a hair and skincare line that. Um, we'll be launching soon.
0: Now the skincare is coming. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: and that's what's been that's mm-hmm. what that's what um I've done for the last two years in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, with the mastermind group, a bunch of experts. Um, I, I sold pomade for years in the shop, but again, like needing to take the pressure off the front-facing retail businesses, build something that you can scale, and I'm gonna open a barbershop. Um it could be this fall. It might be next spring it will reopen because that is truly who I am. Mm-hmm. The barbershop is 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 that space and place that's sacred to me.
4: So it
0: used to be called Houston White's Men's, Men's room, room and then it's being rebranded to be called Fresh. 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 Yeah. And when when do you think it'll reopen?
1: Um I I would bet on next
0: spring. Okay. Yeah. Uh more phone calls. Let's take another phone call. This is from Tammy in Minneapolis. Hi Tammy. Hello. Good morning. Hi. What do you want to ask or share with Houston? Well, thank you so much. Um, I've had a business
5: plan. I went through an entrepreneurship course mm-hmm. um, through the NDP, um, I think NDP, um, in 2017. And then, you know, of course, the world changed. We did, you know, protecting the community and um, things like that. The Wall of Forgotten Natives. I'm from the Native American indigenous community in South Minneapolis there. So we've had upheavals. And um, what I would like to know um, first off, with all business ideas, uh, how compassion and empathy and I heard that when uh, you all were talking about that earlier, um, how that fits in into everybody's business plan, um, but mine in particular has to do with self-love, and um, and I've been very protective of my idea, but you know I think self-love is you know sharing mm-hmm. also. So it's, you know, a modeling agency that looks at the person as a whole. So we could look at a person from the inside out as opposed to the outside in and judging people by their clothing or, you know, how they present themselves while inside they might be hurting. Mm-hmm. And so how we can um, promote and teach mind, body, soul, meditation, you know, just things that go along with self-love, um...
4: And, and so your question
5: um, for Houston that.
0: has to do with uh, where do empathy and compassion fit in with business dealings? Cause
5: well, true. Yeah, and- yes, but that not so much my, my question. I guess my question would be, um, you know, how do we do that in, in a world where people are so fearful? Mm. You know, and a person yeah. who is unaccustomed to business dealings and money. As an indigenous person, I look mm-hmm. at the land and I look at the trees and I look at the water. To me, that's wealth. So how can we promote that, you know, I guess my business, my particular business plan, you know, I'll work on that, but I think my biggest question is for the whole uh for the mass of people. How can we All right, can we...
0: let, let me let uh, Houston uh, respond to that. Any ideas for her? Yeah, I mean, every
1: business has to start with their why. I mean, for me it's human connection. Um is the most powerful force in nature. And so really trying to figure out how can I as a as an entrepreneur, I I I like to enterprise. That's what I do, and so how can I help um, humanity in the process of enterprising? And so I always think about who's it affecting, who's it for, and what good and difference is it going to make in the world? And so I, I think that that's what we all have to do: is basically use our north star, our guiding principles, as our north star. Right? Don't mm-hmm. sell that out for money, an opportunity. Um, history will be kind to you, right? If you build a business that is really built on uh, some principles that are really about making the world a better place. And so I think just take stock of that and stay true to it.
0: All right. And our our last uh, 30 seconds here, uh, you started something else. In 2020, you founded the Be The Change Golf Tournament at Theater Worth Golf Club. Uh, What's up with you in golf?
1: Oh, golf is (laughs) um, probably one of the most uh, useful tools in my business career. It's hard to get four and a half hours uh, mm-hmm. one-to-one with anybody. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's all about relationships. And so I have used, I learned the concept of leverage. I figure out how to buy my first house. I learned uh, how to be a better husband, uh, the importance of social and emotional health, just being out in the sun, relaxing. And so golf has just been uh, a key tenant to my mm-hmm. very existence. And so how can I use that game uh, to give back?
0: I'm so grateful that we had a whole hour to talk with you. And I, as I said in the beginning, I'm very proud of you.
1: Very proud of you. You're a legend, man. Thank you for having me.
0: And today I look flat.
1: You look super flat
0: <laughs> In my Houston White apparel. <laughs> You've been listening to my conversation I had in early June with Minnesota entrepreneur and fashion designer, Houston White. He's the founder and owner of Houston White Goods the Get Down Coffee Company, a barbershop now known as Fresh, and Camden Town Flats, a new apartment building in Minneapolis. This conversation was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendment's Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For more reporting in our North Star Journey series, go to mprnews.org and look for the North Star Journey link. Be safe, everybody. I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning at 9. ¶¶